Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful you are here listening today. Today's episode is going to be so good, but it is a little bit different. So every once in a while, I actually get interviewed on a different podcast or maybe a YouTube channel, IG Live, all of the things. But typically, the information I share there is really helpful and beneficial. We cover a lot of ground. There's some Q&A kind of sprinkled in here and there. And the episode is so good that, of course, I hope hope you caught it wherever it first went live. But if you didn't, I wanted to make sure to bring it here to this podcast feed so that you could learn a little bit more about picky eating, some of my top strategies, all of the things. And you know, it's just a different vibe when you're being interviewed versus when you are teaching uh, directly to listeners. So I knew that I wanted you to hear these interviews. And so this is going to be one of those podcast episodes where I was interviewed somewhere else or my information was provided to someone else through their platform, but I wanted to bring it here to you as well. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you next week. Hello, hello. We have a special episode today. Brooke here coming at you and I have Alyssa next to me and I'm actually going to be interviewing Alyssa today on how to raise healthy and independent eaters. This is a question we get all the time from moms is like, how can I ensure that I'm raising healthy children that don't end up in this dieting cycle like I did? How can I make sure that my kids are being nourished well? You know, what what do I do? Like, where's the fine line? How do I have balance? And so Alyssa is really the expert with that and with preventing and treating patients eating. So we're going to dive into all of those things. But first, I'm going to read a written review. So this one comes from 1HTPRGMR. <laughs> Thank you so much for your review. Five stars. So excited. I've been following these wonderful ladies for years. They always put out great content. The podcast make me feel like we have a or we're a couple of friends hanging out and having real talk. Because of them, I've deleted my fitness pal and I no longer feel like I have to wear my iWatch. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. We are so glad that we have, you know, impacted you in some sort of way. And as you know, reviews mean the world to us. So if you have not left us a written review yet, please, please, please do. You can actually grab our hunger and fullness guide absolutely free when you write a write us a written review and send us a screenshot. And then we will send you our hunger and fullness guide absolutely free. So Alyssa, I'm going to kick it on over to you. Do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you specialize in? Because all dietitians kind of have their own specialties, the own, you know, like certain things that we love to learn about and love to teach about. And you and I differ in this way <laughs> that you love to talk about kids and their eating. And I do, I do not thrive in this <laughs> department. So yeah. I'll kick it on over to you. Uh, hey, you guys. Oh, thanks for having me on, Brooke. I really appreciate uh, yes. making the time. <laughs> uh, we just thought this would be really helpful to have this conversation and um, just chat a little bit about, like Brooke said, a lot of our members uh, ask, how do I pass this on to my kids? How do I get them started on the right foot? And I just want you to know that there is a way that you can pass on healthy eating habits to your children so that they can bypass and step out of the cycle that we've found ourselves in. And I think it really all 
all came together, why I was so interested in picky eating and feeding kids when I was in college and I learned about it on paper and it sounded so easy. I aced the test, moved on. Then I had kids, right? And my son started to get picky. And I realized that our our really our first introduction to being pressured around food to kind of breaking the trust that we had built in our body that we're born with mm-hmm. was around this picky eating phase. Like we stopped eating things for whatever reason. And our parents likely used pressure to tell us, no, we have to eat more. You can't trust your body. Even if your body's telling you no, I'm telling you, yes, eat three more bites. Mm-hmm. You need to eat this. This is healthy for you. That's bad for you. Avoid that. That's junk. And a lot of these messages start around this picky eating phase, not always, but that's kind of where I started to see this connection of, hey, what would it look like if our kids were taught and empowered to trust their bodies, even through this stage of picky eating? What would that look like 10, 20, 50 years from now with their relationship to food? And I just Mm -hmm. saw such a clear connection, and especially within my own family, I just knew what we were doing was not working and wasn't sustainable. And when my son got pickier and pickier, I just kept adding more and more pressure and it just got worse and worse. And I was like, okay, something has got to change. Not only am I teaching him to eat for other reasons, really to make me comfortable, Mm -hmm. not make him comfortable. Uh, Not only is he learning that, but also we are having daily battles and our relationship is being strained and possibly even with my spouse. And I just know I'm not alone in that. And so I really just saw an opportunity to teach on picky eating particularly and really show moms that it's so much more than that. It really is developing and protecting the ability to eat independently, which we're all born with that desire to eat and survive and to really protect this and empower them to trust their bodies and continue to build that relationship is so, so important to me. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I do what I do. Yeah. And I want to start off with this question because I think we as parents, a lot of times freak out when our kid, it just seems like all they want to do is eat carbs, eat sugar, and they're kind of refusing like all other foods. They're refusing to eat protein. They're refusing to eat certain fruits or vegetables. They just want bread and cookies. And a lot of times we as parents start to think, well, if I just keep giving them that over and over, they're never going to touch a vegetable ever again. And then they're going to have all these health conditions as they get older. I'm going to give them diabetes and (laughs) we kind of start to spiral as parents. And so I'd love to hear your take on what if our kid is in a phase where all they want are sugar and carbs and how to handle, you know, desserts and sugar with our children, especially our our young children and toddlers? Yeah, I think I hear so many fears coming up for moms when Mm -hmm. we spiral like that. Um, You know, really the first and foremost one is we have a fear of carbs and sugar. And so we then see our kids eating the food that we wouldn't let ourselves have. And Mm -hmm. it it triggers us a little. We're like, oh, that's really uncomfortable. Oh, those aren't healthy. Oh, that's not good for you. I I shouldn't be letting you eat that, you know, and uh, first and foremost, I want to calm the the fear of a lot of carbs. Kids need a lot of carbs. Mm -hmm. So they need double what we need because they're growing. So they need quite a bit of their nutrition in a day does actually need uh, to come from carbohydrates. Now, a reminder here that carbohydrates are not starches only. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of us think, oh, carbohydrates equal starches, right? So breads, grains, things like that, which also are not bad, but fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates and um, whole grains are carbohydrates and dairy, you know, Mm -hmm. are carbohydrates. And so really realizing that there's a lot of variety within that food group or that macronutrient of carbohydrates that we can continue to um, explore and offer to our kids. So Mm -hmm. I know that's a fear for parents. I think the other fear is 
if we let them eat sugar, then all they're going to want is sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, So two things with that. Number one, if you breastfed your kid and you're worried about giving them too many sweet foods, breast breast milk is the sweetest food Mm -hmm. out there. And so a lot of parents are like, oh, I have to start solids with something really bitter because if I give them fruit, they're just going to want, they're just going to prefer sweet food. Um, And it's just not the case because breast milk is already super sweet. So if you breastfed. I've tasted it. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I used to taste it when I'd like leave it out too long. I'd be like, "Mm, is this still good? Is this good? I'm going to smell it. Have you tasted bad breast milk? Yeah, it's not good when it's bad. Oh, it makes me want to throw up just thinking about it. It goes bad and it goes bad hard. Um, So just a reminder that they are likely exposed to that sweet food at some point as well. Um, And even if they're not, starting with a sweet food doesn't mean that they're going to have preferential uh, treatment towards sweet foods Mm -hmm. because it's actually biological. We want sweet foods because they are typically higher in quick energy, which we need for survival. So this is already predetermined for kids and adults why we prefer sweet foods. That's actually part of our survival mechanism. So that's good to know too. Um, But also when it comes to I know there's like a lot to unpack in this question. Yeah, there's a lot. But when it comes to letting our kids have sweets, first of all, I recommend if you can hold off till two years of age, that's really where the research shows we don't need added sugar, um, is to include include sweets in your home so that they don't feel restricted. Mm -hmm. Because when they feel restricted, when they go to a friend's house who has sweetened cereal for breakfast, Mm -hmm. they're going to go ham. And they're going to be like, oh, there's a candy bucket over here and there's a sweetened cereal over here and you guys get to have ice cream after dinner or whatever. They're never going to want to come home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) first of all. But that's the same for adults. When we are restricted, we binge on what we restrict. And we actually have a story of a girl who's on a podcast a long time ago, uh, Claire Tuning, where she talked about how in her house they had a candy jar that was available all the time. And what she hated the most was when her friends came over and spent more time with the candy jar than with her. She's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, have you never seen a freaking candy jar before? I want to hang out with you and all you're doing is eating the candy. So a lot of times as parents, we think, oh, if my kid's obsessed with sugar, um, they need to see less of it. When in fact, it's actually, they need to see more of it. Mm-hmm. They need to normalize this food, realize that it's available so that it's no big deal when they see it, which I know can feel really scary for moms. But honestly, that is the best approach we can do for our children. Because I think we can all agree that with children specifically, but even with us, it's better to eat sweets throughout the year in a moderate amount, um, you know, slowly than binge on it a few times a year and eat uh, to an uncomfortable fullness. And although that is something our kids are going to have to learn, it's also something that we get to moderate as well. So I do recommend doing more like homemade treats if you can, eating them with a meal, modeling the behavior, stop being so afraid of them yourself because you that really is rubbing off on your kid. And they're going to explore that feeling. If they notice that you're uncomfy, they're going to keep eating it and be like, what's mom going to do? What's mom going to do when she's going to burst? You know, And so really uh, make peace with it yourself is a huge way to do that. Mm-hmm. One more thing I want to touch on on this topic as well is I always recommend doing something that's called safe food cycling. So cycling through different safe foods. So if your kid is only eating, let's say, fruit, it's okay to not serve fruit at every meal. So you want to cycle through the different food groups, the different types and textures, flavors, even temperatures. Um, I always say change should be the only thing that stays the same with our kids' plates. Variety is so, so key. So I hope that answered that question. I think I took about every angle you could take with the question and answered it. So hopefully that was helpful. 
I want to take a quick second and remind you of my free picky eating guide. If you haven't downloaded this guide yet, take a second and click the link in the show notes below and download your copy today. It's eight pages long and you'll learn the five pillars of parenting a picky eater that not only make this podcast make way more sense, but it'll also help you jumpstart a more peaceful experience at the table. The best part is it's absolutely free and will be delivered directly to your inbox. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I know it it is crazy how many of us parents like fear certain foods and really have awareness. If you're really scared about your kids eating sugar or carbs, that's usually a sign that we need to look inward and just kind of reevaluate like what our relationship with food and these types of foods are and maybe there needs to be some work done there too. So I think that can be a really good just awareness to have. Okay. This is another question that I know you get all the time. What do I do when my child is asking for snacks and it's not mealtime? It's not snack time. Like they just had an opportunity to eat 30 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. What should I be doing? Yeah. This is a great question, especially with our community, because we, Brooke and I, teach moms who are recovering from maybe some disordered thoughts around food, fear around food, feeling disconnected from their body that, hey, if you're hungry, then eat. But then when it comes to kids, you might hear me say something like, hey, if they're saying they're hungry and they chose not to eat at lunch, we're going to wait until snack time to give them snack. And a lot of moms look at me crazy, like, wait, they're saying they're hungry and you don't want me to honor that hunger by giving them a snack. Here's the situation with children. They are likely not recovering from unhealthy patterns or thoughts around food. So we are not, they're not already in a restricted mindset of fear around food or scarcity mindset. This is just life to them, right? And so again, we want to protect and empower them, um, not control them, right? Like we're not in control of them. We do want to guide them to a healthy relationship with food. And part of this is setting up a meal and snack routine. So having regular and consistent, predictable, um, and frequent opportunities for your little one to eat. And the other thing with kids is it's very easy for them to confuse um, hunger with boredom or hunger with I get attention or hunger with, oh, that sounds good. And they haven't deciphered all that nuance yet as we haven't usually either. Um, And so really teaching them how to build hunger so that they also learn how to satisfy their hunger is important. Now there's always flexibility with this, but the more often we just let our kids say, hey, I'm hungry and give them a snack, the more often they're going to say, hey, I'm hungry, I want a snack. Mm -hmm. And the easier it's going to be for them to reject new foods because they know in 20 minutes they can just ask for a snack and mom's going to give me fruit snacks. And so, because it's easy, right? (laughs) And so what we really want to do is build in a Um, predictable schedule for them to eat and then communicate that to them so they can understand how to eat for satisfaction, how to keep themselves full for a longer period of time. Now, again, there's a lot of flexibility here. And this is why I call it a meal and snack routine, not necessarily a meal and snack schedule, because sometimes things need to shift. Our kids might be going through a growth spurt or you know, something happened where they really couldn't eat enough. Like the other day we brought a picnic to the park and my son's sandwich fell on the floor or fell on the ground and ants got to it. (laughs) And so it's like, well, that's not anyone's fault. Of course you need more food. Of course you're hungry. (laughs) Yeah. So we finished up playing at the park and he was hungry and we had second lunch and that's totally fine. So there's some flexibility here for sure. But just a reminder here that we do want to create structure where they can feel safe. Um, 
sometimes we give our kids too much power and that actually feels really unsafe to them. Like they're not um, being led in a really firm and loving way that they feel too free and that can actually feel really scary to them. So we want to create some structure and boundaries and hold those up lovingly and compassionately. So usually in these moments, I say to respond, acknowledge what they're feeling, validate what they're feeling, um, lend a little compassion, a little empathy, make a plan for when the meal or snack is coming up next, and then move on with our day. Um, And really, you should be feeding your kids every hour and a half to three hours anyways. So likely it's just around the corner. Yeah. And honestly, what, when you were saying that it like resonates so much because this is actually something that we teach inside the mama well too. Mm -hmm. A lot of moms, you know, are experiencing cravings and binges and stress eating. And so something that we actually do often is we actually really recommend the moms that we work with, Hey, we need to start implementing a routine where your body is starting to trust that it's going to be fed on a regular basis, that your blood sugar, you know, is balanced by eating consistently throughout yeah. the day and not skipping meals and not skipping That's right. snacks. Yeah. And so it's the same thing for our children. So I just love that you um, drew that and also touched on the differences of like our kids likely haven't been through disordered thoughts with food and body like we have it at mm-hmm. our age in our 30s versus, you know, a three-year-old. So thank you for touching on that. Um, another question that we hear all the time, <laughs> or Alyssa gets all the time is how can I reverse picky eating if it's already occurring or what can I do to prevent picky eating? Maybe you have a one-year-old and you're worried that you're going to have a picky eater on your hands. Like what are the first few steps that you would recommend to any parent in this position? Yeah, absolutely. Hands down is modeling the behavior you want them to have. So you're trying new foods, you're eating the foods in front of them, you're sitting down with them to a meal, Uh, you're preparing the foods, you're enjoying the foods, you're having a positive experience with the foods. Um, I think of it kind of like like if you're going to buy a product and you see a commercial for it on TV, you may not trust it. But if like your BFF Brooke tells you about it, you're probably going to run out and buy it. And it's the same when your kids are looking at this food on their plate going, why would I eat this green food that kind of looks like a mini tree? Oh, mom's eating it. Must be a good food. Must mm-hmm. be a safe food. I'm, I think I'm going to try it. Now, it doesn't work always that effortlessly, but it's good to remember that you are uh, really what they're going to take after. So your behavior around food and the table is most important. So I always say to start there. Um, The second one is this thing called the division of responsibility. And essentially, it's a set of principles and roles that we have at the table. So this kind of, I always like to think of it as that, um, the serenity prayer, like what I can control versus (laughs) what I can't control. Like these are the things I can control. So at the table, I'm in charge of what goes on the plate, um, where we eat and when. And our little one is in control of if they eat that food that we provide and how much. And oftentimes, nine times out of 10, pickiness is happening because one of us or both of us are crossing those boundaries and trying to tell the other one how much, or, you know, we're trying to tell our little ones three more bites, uh, which really leads me into my next practice is saying Mm -hmm. pressuring around food may work in the moment, but it is digging a hole. It is digging a hole. And I've been there firsthand. I've helped so many mamas through my table talk, uh, picky eating program that essentially use pressure out of a place of love. We know how important nutrition is. We know that these first five years are so developmentally important and crucial. And we know that nutrition can help them get them to where we want them to be. And so a lot of times we say, hey, you need to eat three more bites. I know you need more protein. I know you need more calcium. I know you need iron. I want you to grow and thrive. And the only way we know how to do that is by using pressure techniques. So Mm -hmm. what do I mean by that? I mean, things like bribing, begging, pleading, guilting, even praising our kids. This is really moving them from a place of 
um, from an external reason or internal reason to eat to external. Oh, because mom said so. Because Mm -hmm. mom's counting my bites. Because dad said, I can only have ice cream if I finish my plate. Because I get a clean plate sticker or whatever that might be. They're eating for external reasons for our comfortability, not theirs. Mm -hmm. And we really want to empower them to be able to trust their bodies and know that they can be trusted and they can determine if they're hungry or not. And I don't care what how great of a mom you are in the world. You cannot tell me how hungry your child is. You can't. Mm. And I know that as moms, we especially, I think dads too, but moms especially feel like we have this ability to, and and I can, I can see like, oh, you are acting out probably because you're hungry or probably because you're tired or probably because it's a mix of both. But in reality, I can't feel how hungry my kid is when they're not eating their lunch. I can say, come on, you're hungry. You need to eat more than that. I don't actually know. And so really empowering them to listen to their body is one of the best things we can do Um, and avoiding those pressure techniques and using low or no pressure techniques to get them to try new foods, which is my specialty. So that's what I'd recommend for getting started with picky eating, really setting up that meal and snack schedule uh, and getting that predictability on lock. And again, making sure that change is the only constant is going to be the most helpful thing you can do for your current or uh, not yet picky eater. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned table talk program in there. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I mean, I already have access to it. So it's been helpful for me as my three-year-old is becoming a little bit more picky through through times. But can you just share a little bit about what table talk is for those who have no idea? Yeah, absolutely. So table talk is my uh, self-paced picky eating program. I do a guide through it for eight weeks. So I recommend taking eight weeks to go through it. Some moms love to go through it pretty quick, learn all the information. I always like to say, you know, learn, implement, learn, implement, refine, learn, implement, refine. Uh, So to go through the program, but there's video modules that teach you how to become a aware of what you're doing at the table or what you're not doing at the table that might be lending its way to picky eating. Not all of picky eating is within our control, so it's not your fault that you have a picky eater necessarily, but there are things that we can do to prevent or reverse picky eating. And so Table Talk teaches all of that to you. And really the goal with Table Talk is to arm you with the information so that then you can start implementing it and become practiced at it so that you truly can be the feeding expert in your home. And what that means is when your kid is having a picky moment or a picky opportunity, I like to call it, (laughs) that you know exactly how to handle it and you can stay calm and know that what you're doing is working and will pay off. I'm a big fan of, yes, broccoli today is important, but I'm also really uh, concerned or worried about broccoli for life. I don't want your kid just to have two more bites of broccoli today and not touch it again for 30 Mm -hmm. years. I want them to develop a relationship with broccoli that they know that it serves their body, honors their health, and they want to eat the broccoli. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. is the goal of Table Talk, and it teaches you how to do that using a low, no-pressure, gentle approach. Um, And included in the Table Talk program, not only do you get all the video modules, but you also get a free invite to a live group call with me um, through the membership program as well. So you can come and get all your questions answered, which I know a lot of parents really um, want some hands-on like, okay, here's what's going on with my kid. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And I know that's always really beneficial. So I always like to include that too for anyone who joins because I know how powerful that can be. All right, you guys, here I am yet again telling you about something that I slept on for way too long. So have you heard of Daily Harvest before? Because I'd heard about it for probably years before I actually decided to 
try it. And once I tried it, I am never going back. First of all, Daily Harvest sends you a shipment of a ton of freezer ready meals or even smoothies, which happen to be my favorite. There's also soups in there and side dishes and full on meals that you can make at any time. Daily Harvest has saved me more times than I can count where I'm just having a hard day and need to make something really quickly, or I don't have dinner planned, or the plan that I had for dinner completely got messed up, or I'm hungry in the middle of the day and I just need a freaking smoothie, but I don't have the time to put it all together myself. For those of you who may not know about Daily Harvest yet, this is a service where you can order these frozen meals with impeccable ingredients, whole foods, and delicious combinations coming right to your door, practically ready to eat. You just throw them in the oven, maybe even the microwave, heat them up on the stove, or put them in your blender, and they are ready. And I just can't tell you how much I wish I could have gone back, especially in those early days of becoming a new mom, wishing I had a service just like this and that I wouldn't have slept on it for so long. There's a reason why a lot of people are talking about this. I absolutely love Daily Harvest and their options. Um, I'm going to leave a link down in the description box. You can check them out, learn more. You can actually save 40% with my code. So I'll drop that down in the description box as well. I hope you give them a try and you don't wait like I did. Let me know what you think. Uh, the smoothies are probably one of my favorite things they make, but I also have been really loving their harvest bakes and I've been loving their flatbreads, soups, and their little bites have been really fun to have in the freezer as well. All right, let me know if you try them. Remember to use my code for 40% off. The link will be down in the description box as well. And now back to the show. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to hear too, what you see most parents get wrong or like the top mistakes that moms are making or dads are making when it comes to picky eating, like just one or two things that we can kind of keep our eye on. So if we are doing them, we, we can maybe stop <laughs> making yeah, those mistakes. Definitely. I think the biggest thing is, um, seeing when pressure does seem to work, like, okay, you can have three more bites and then you can go play outside with your friends or something. And then they eat the three bites and then we tell ourselves, oh, it worked. And so mm -hmm. next time we're going to yeah. do that again. And what I see happening is we dig ourselves deeper and we continue to have to increase the pressure to get a lesser result, right? Like eventually we ask for just two bites or just one bite or just lick the dang broccoli <laughs> and then you can go outside, right? And it becomes this escalation where all of a sudden we look around and we're in this hole and we don't even know how we got here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the biggest thing is adding pressure, thinking that it works and then leading yourself down a path that now you have to like claw and dig yourself out of, which is exhausting and tiring. And a lot of us parents don't have the willpower or the like stamina and we just give in, right? Like we try to undo it and then our kids goes without eating for the day and we're like, oh my gosh, it's not working. Just eat anything, right? <laughs> so I think that's one of the things. The other is making separate meals for different people in our family. So if our one kid will only eat mac and cheese and our other kid, kid is grilled cheese and our other kid is chicken nuggets, but we want a nice like pasta meal, maybe we're making all those things or making promises we can't keep about when they eat those foods next. Um, and really just making sure that our word as is good as gold. So if you say they get chicken nuggets tomorrow, you bring out the chicken nuggets. Or if you promise something, then you deliver on it, um, I think can be really, really powerful for our little ones. So definitely making separate meals is a big mistake that I see happen all the time, which gives kid, kids a lot of power and mm -hmm. gives them a lot of reason to not eat the foods in front of them. The other one too is this mindset of 
you know, you get what you get and you have to eat it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to starve you until you eat this food. And when in reality, what we want is to serve new foods alongside foods that they've seen and, and eaten before. Mm-hmm. This is what I call a safe food, a reliable food that they've eaten in the past so that they can fill up their bellies. <laughs> Sometimes kids are just too hungry to try yeah, something new. that we see that so much yes. with our son. Yes. Yes. When he's, he's a little so momentum. hungry, it's like we got to get something in his belly. Otherwise, yes. it's game over. Like yes. he'll, he'll throw everything in sight. It doesn't even and matter what like, it is. I know what's going on yeah, here, exactly. but they're it's still so figuring true. it out. Mm-hmm. So offering some sort of safe food with every meal and snack. Um, but this safe food doesn't have to be the same food. Mix it up. Keep it different um, and give them a reason to start eating because once they start, it's a lot easier to keep going and try new things. Uh, so those are probably the biggest mistakes. But of course, you know, we all do them. So there's no perfect way um, to feed your kids. But be gracious with yourself. And we know it's coming from a place of love. But there is a way that you can feed your kids low pressure, no pressure um, techniques to use to help your little ones try new foods. In fact, I'm actually going to be teaching a class about that exact same thing. So if you're not already registered, we'll put the link in the show notes below for you to learn more about this um, process. And I can't wait to see you there. Yeah. And then um, if they're not already following you over on Instagram, your other handle, if you can share that too. Yes, I'm at Nutrition for Littles. So you can check me out over there. I share pretty much daily, um, especially on stories. So if you want to come hang out there, I talk all about how to raise these independent, healthy eaters and avoid or reverse picky eating. Yeah, I've learned so much from you. Thank you. And you know, the nice thing about her table talk program is it's lifetime access. And that's right. I've gone in there a few times and like just picking, you know, like I grab what I need and like leave the rest and then something else will come up and I'm like, oh, I should probably watch that video. Go back and refresh. So it is nice that you don't have to like watch every single video. You can just really take what you need in that moment and just Mm -hmm. know that there's other things there in case something shifts or changes in a few months. So yeah, absolutely. There's like a section called basic structure structures inside uh, the program. And those are always, I say, hey, if you're going to start with any of them, start there because everything else is building off that foundation. So those are the foundational things we have to have in place if we want to support and empower our children to trust their bodies. And everything else is kind of just like the sprinkles on top, the things you can try and do and get to know your kid and what works for them, which I think is really powerful. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Alyssa. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me, you guys. And we will see you next week, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you later. See you later. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.